0: Today, we're continuing our conversation about mindfulness meditation, particularly about the mindfulness-based stress reduction programs at hospitals that Bob Stahl, longtime practitioner and teacher of mindfulness meditation, leads. He founded and directs the mindfulness-based stress reduction programs at Dominican Hospital, O'Connor Hospital, and El Camino Hospital in California. He is co-author of a number of books, including a mindfulness-based stress reduction workbook, Living With Your Heart Wide Open... Calming the Rush of Panic, and a Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Workbook for Anxiety. If you missed our conversation last week on mindfulness meditation, what it is and its impact on our health, please do tune in and listen. You might be interested. Bob Stahl, thank you for joining us today, and welcome to Health currents Radio.
1: Thank you so much for having
0: me. So I wanted to continue our conversation. As we ended our last show, we were just beginning to talk about mindfulness-based stress reduction programs and of your work in the hospital. And I I just wanted you to talk a little bit about how that came to be, that you were working in the hospital and what the benefits are that you're seeing.
1: Yeah, I've been um, teaching mindfulness-based stress reduction programs um, since 1991, and we were actually the first one to bring mindfulness-based stress reduction to California. And it's just amazing. And over 20-plus years here, um, how much has changed, how much that mindfulness has become a popular word in a vocabulary. And, you know, I've worked at El Camino Hospital, for example. We've just completed our 245th eight-week programs, which is quite a lot.
0: Congratulations.
1: uh, Thank you. And so we've worked with many, many people living with stress, pain, and illness through the years, and I find that mindfulness um, practice is, you know, is incredibly beneficial for most everyone. I think the genius of Jon Kabat-Zinn, who founded this work, was bringing these ancient teachings in more of a Western framework in a skillful language that is common and usable for many walks of people You know, as a matter of fact i do international training all over the world and meeting people that are wanting to bring mindfulness into their areas and people are just so excited that i think the ingenious aspect of this curriculum really is applicable to so many people in different walks of life and so yeah we've seen you know through the years many positive changes and maybe i'll just speak to one in particular that we do a pre- and post-tool at El Camino called the Medical Symptom Checklist, and people check off about 150 different physical and mental symptoms that people are experiencing. And Well, actually, I should say, so in the first class, people fill these out and um, how many symptoms are you experiencing, and then they fill the same test out eight weeks later. And we've seen through 20 years of doing this that something happens. I don't know if it's the mindfulness class, but what I can say, very strongly and clearly is that we have an average of a 40% reduction of reported symptoms of those that complete the pre and the post over 20 years. That there's a 40% decrease of physical complaints, emotional, mental complaints. Perhaps it has to do more with one's relationship to how they're perceiving their challenges or perhaps they've lessened. We really can't say exactly. And since I'm not... A researcher, of course, there is some research going on right. about MBSR, but um, this has been very favorable.
0: It's fantastic, mostly because there are thousands of people who have benefited from this. And, and actually, probably that just ripples out, like Lao Tzu said, one grain, 10,000 grains. You know, As each person's health improves and their well-being improves, it, it must impact their families, the people they work with, the people they encounter day to day. So, are there, um, how are people referred to you at the hospital? Is it a, a, do people sign up because they choose to, or are they referred to by their physicians? Do you have a relationship with physicians in the hospital?
1: Yeah, I have a relationship with physicians and therapists and nurses. Probably at this point, the most common source of referral is word of mouth, but in the early years, I did quite a lot of work with presenting at Grand Rounds for Physicians and coming to the Department of Family Medicine or Internal Medicine and giving little in-services, I've done work in-services for the Emergency Room, Critical Intensive Care Unit, nurses and radiologic technicians, uh, therapists, so I've done a lot of um, training within the hospital, orienting people to mindfulness. And again, I think at this point, um, word of mouth is probably the most prominent. But we've done a, a number of physician workshops. I've done eight-week programs with them, day-longs with them, and so there's been quite a number of physicians that have been trained in mindfulness. Actually, some of them have actually become mindful space stress reduction teachers. So um, yeah, the word the word is out, and um, and of course, it's spreading. It's kind of amazing just how many thousands of people when we look across this planet, how many people actually have been practicing mindfulness. And you know, coming back again to um, the research, this is this is amazing. And you know what I could really say is that never before in the history of the world, have we ever had this convergence of the science with the meditation uh, just in the you know in recent years we've had the technology begin to look at the brain to look at different aspects of the body and see these effects of meditation on, on a human being and so it is it, really a convergence that's actually never happened before and you know i have I mean I want to be realistic and we have a long ways to go as far as bettering this planet but mindfulness gives me a lot of hope as I as experiencing mm-hmm. going around this world people's passion to bring it to their people to bring more awareness and more heart
0: yeah it it wakes I think when when we feel when we feel woken up to potential within ourselves it's enormously healing and um, I know that for me that brought me to mindfulness when I first Encountered it and then did the uh, mindfulness and meditation uh, program with John Kabat-Zinn and Saki Santorelli, and and then bringing it forward to my patients, the people I work with. I think the thing that really is inspiring is people just being able to be with themselves and be more at peace or more comfortable. Let's put it that way, comfortable because it is a process, right? <laughs> that we encounter day to day. So that, that potential and that hope is exhilarating. And now that, that there is this science and research that the convergence like that, must, it's just enormous.
1: Yes, and even, I'm sure you, you're probably familiar with Tim Ryan, who's a congressman yes. from Ohio that wrote a book on Mindful Nation. I mean, who could have ever imagine that even a U.S. congressman is is talking about mindfulness and wanting to bring it into government and bring it into healthcare and bring it into education. I mean, I had to pinch myself when I first started hearing him. And, and, and like, is this for real?
0: (laughs) I think he was doing mindfulness meditation during the government shutdown. That's what I read somewhere, (laughs) (laughs) which is really, really useful. So going back to working with people who are suffering from some kind of chronic illness, whether it be um, digestive or respiratory, high blood pressure, Um, I noticed that you have a number of CDs and programs that address specific health concerns from insomnia and anxiety to respiratory issues to high blood pressure to depression. Can you talk about how these programs work in those different ways to address these conditions?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, some years ago I was very inspired and went through a creative period of creating different CDs that are subject-specific, and how would mindfulness, for example, work with um, chronic pain or neck and shoulder pain or anxiety, just as you mentioned. And, you know, I think ultimately as, as uh, this coming into terms of the way things are is one of the greatest allies in healing. And often the stress that's related to living with these illnesses further exacerbates the the pain, the fear, the vicious cycle. And so that's kind of the perspective that I've taken is... How, you know, sometimes you go to the doctor's office and you have high blood pressure, you have this or you have that, and the doctor says you have to, well, you you just got to learn to live with it. But the question remains, how do you learn to live with it? And so how we learn to live with it is by, you know, from my point of view, from mindfulness, is to begin to engage with how is this illness affecting you physically, mentally, and emotionally. So beginning to acknowledge the physical sensations that are there. For example, with chronic pain you might ask why would you even want to bring awareness into your body when you're feeling pain because I just want to get away from it and I understand that is a useful distraction the technique that could be helpful but from the lines of an old grateful dead song you can run you can't hide like it seems to always come back and back and back and so there actually may be some value to bring mindfulness to chronic pain and I'll, I'll explain in one of the CDs that um, Actually, there's three important reasons, and the first is to begin to become aware of how you're holding the your pain in your body physically. And let's say your pain is in your hip, but you're pushing down from the top of your head and up from the soles of your feet, and your whole body's one, just very tight, uh, constricted. Um, muscle skeletal system, that this is not going to be very beneficial to your health. You're actually exacerbating the pain by all this constriction and deprivation of blood flow. You're actually creating more pain for yourself by getting tight around it. So we actually begin to open to the possibility, what would it be like to actually become soft around your pain, to let these sensations ripple or resonate wherever they need to go, and that perhaps I don't have to have my jaw clenched, as my pain is in my hip so we begin to soften and alleviate areas and we begin to discern there's the physical pain and 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 i can begin to learn how to ride the waves with it. so that's one aspect but the second i think is more important well it's equally important i should say is to begin to work with the emotions that this pains evoke which is often sadness anger fear confusion shame Different types of emotional feelings may arise and so we begin to also work with the emotions by acknowledging them, not saying that I have to accept it or let go of it, but let me begin to acknowledge my sadness, begin to acknowledge my rage, begin to acknowledge my shame and my fear of not knowing, and as we begin to acknowledge these emotions... Gradually, we begin to understand the difference between the emotions and the physical pain and the the pain is there But perhaps the suffering that is generated by these emotions becomes a little bit lessened because we're acknowledging these emotions Mm -hmm. There's just one other aspect that I think is important in working with pain is the importance of being here and now because often when we have a lot of chronic pain which I actually don't like that name because it implies a future sentence. It implies almost like a life sentence. And, you know, we don't know how it's really going to go. And I actually had a personal experience where I had a radicliopathy. That's what my doctor said. Bob, you have a radicliopathy. And I told him, this is ridiculous. (laughs) And pain went from my neck down my left arm into my left hand. And the pain at times would get so intense that I would have fantasies of wanting to get out my chainsaw in the shed and cut it off. That's a pretty horrendous uh, fantasy. It must have been bad. (laughs) Yeah. I began to notice that I was becoming mindful that it was always associated with future thinking. How's it going to be later today? How's it going to be tomorrow? How's it going to be next week? How's it going to be next year? And the pain became unbearable. And Mm -hmm. as I began to just, let me see, mindfulness is about being present. Let me just be with this pain one moment at a time. the pain actually began to lessen because the catastrophizing of how it's going to be exacerbated the pain tremendously. So we'll say these three points for chronic pain, looking into the body, how is it feeling, softening what's possible, letting be what's not. Second is working with the emotions that are there and acknowledging them. And the third is coming back into the present moment, taking our pain one moment at a time. We may find that we're able to navigate much more skillfully and constructively with pain using mindfulness practice.
0: That's so beautiful. And it, it seems like that could be, that template could be applied to also to, let's say, in, insomnia. In my, I'm an acupuncturist, and I work with a lot of people who can't sleep. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, they talk about this point, you know, where they can't settle, this kind of terrifying moment at th- between 3 and 5 a.m. mostly, where you know, they they're awake and it's oh my god, I can't get back to sleep.
1: That's right, and you know, sometimes we'll work with um with the with insomnia, well, you know, let's just maybe we can also look at some of these narratives. The narratives is about how it's gonna be tomorrow and how it's gonna be terrible but you know that's just that's a narrative, that's a story that we're telling ourselves. So the mindfulness practices might be just become where is narrative. And maybe there's actually another way of seeing this again with our use of perception. You know my body actually is lying here. It's not digging ditches. Perhaps it's even getting the full rest that it needs. And can I like the, it's the mental agitation that's probably more of the suffering than the physical not being able to sleep. And how do I begin to work with those emotions, those worries, those fears, begin to acknowledge and, begin to settle into your body if you sleep or not? You know your body's lying there; it's getting rest. And is there a way that I can put my energy into allowing my body to feel held, and it's getting all that it needs, and it's and, and just to be present here, awake?
0: Right, right, right. So working, just working with it over and over and over again, if it appears. You know, you say in your uh, in your workbook uh, a lot of times there are these little little boxes, you know, where you give a little answer questions and tips, et cetera. And over and over, it's just do it, you know. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember John Kevinson said, you don't have to like it. You just have to do it. And then let's talk about it later. You know what happens. And so, you know, when you're doing, when you're doing the, M- the MBSR, the mindfulness-based stress reduction program with people, um, I would assume that there might come up this challenge that people have, which is, I, I, you know, I can't find the time. I, I, I just don't, I, I can't do it. I don't have the time to do it. How do you work with people with that?
1: Yeah, so there's a, you know, there's a few approaches. I mean, sometimes I'll ask people in a light way, well, do you just need that phone call as a reminder? And sometimes people will let me know, and so I'll leave a message on the answering machine, like, don't give me any excuses, just do the practice. <laughs> Keep it on the answering machine, and they play it, and they actually might actually get a practice in. Another friend of mine said that I sometimes tell people, like, you'll never find the time, you have to make the time. You take the time for dinner. And so, you know, you know, the, the, so there's ways that we can begin to work with people. And on the other side, I, I want to also just encourage people to bring their mindfulness into their day-to-day life. Yeah. And if they can't do the 45-minute secret, then how about doing 44 minutes? And if they can't do 44 or 43, if they can't do 43 and just take it down... And if you can't do ten minutes, how about five minutes? Like I also like one of the most important things that I really want people to realize is that or to begin to cultivate is a more compassionate way of being with themselves. And like now now feeling that you've flunked out of meditation school is not going to be beneficial And to come from a place where this is a fear-based, mindfulness-based stress reduction class and making people feel terrible about themselves because they're not doing the practice is not going to be helpful either. I really want to come from a love-based, mindfulness-based stress reduction program. Let's sit down individually. Let's see how we can make this work. And if you can't do the full CD, you know, if you can even just take a few moments during a day to stop and to take a breath, to observe the body and mind to proceed on with more presence. This will be good. If you have a few minutes that are very successful and you like it, then maybe the next day you might go to three minutes, and the next day you might go to four minutes. Let this practice grow with love.
0: So actually even being present in one moment is a heck of a lot better than not being present in 44 minutes, right?
1: Absolutely, you know, my old uh, meditation teacher was a Burmese forest monk, his name was Tom Kuluseto. he used to say being mindful one moment is better than having lived a 100 years without ever being mindful. And he described one moment as 10 snappings of a finger.
0: Mm, that's really beautiful.
1: And it's a very beautiful way of holding this practice with kindness because we are so hard on ourselves. And if there's anything that we want to convey is how can I develop a more compassionate and kind relationship to this vicious internal Uh, critic that is just putting ourselves down left and right for just about everything we do. Even we can begin to develop some softening. Like I would consider it success, even if you didn't do the meditation practice, but somehow by the end of the eight weeks you were softer and kinder with yourself. That would be a huge success.
0: Yeah, it takes my breath away. (laughs) And there it came right back again. Well, Bob Stahl, thank you so much. Thank you for the work that you're doing and the impact you're having on thousands and thousands of people and in, in bringing uh, kindness and compassion and presence. I, I appreciate it from afar here, and um, I want to thank you for speaking with us today.
1: Thank you, Ellen, so much, and many blessings to you and to all.
0: Thank you. And if people listening want to connect with um, Bob Stahl or learn more about the mindfulness training programs, they can go to his websites, mindfulnessprograms.com, or go to mbsrworkbook.com. I really have um, enjoyed and been moved by these conversations that I've had with Bob Stall over the last two shows. I know mindfulness meditation has a huge impact on my life, and I see its impact on the people that I work with in my clinic and the benefit that it has for them in reducing their stress and feeling more empowered more at ease, less anxious, et cetera. So I encourage you to to seek out resources and to get some training and support to, to learn this valuable skill that you can then bring out into your life. And as we move into the holidays where the world seems to be spinning faster and faster and faster, it might be of benefit to each of us to just stop, take a breath, Observe and proceed, as Bob Stahl said in his Mindfulness Space Stress Reduction workbook. And also, I I wanted to quote Fred Rogers. And I I think many of us who are a little bit older remember Fred Rogers. For those of us who aren't older, he was a wonderful character and show on public television. And he said, In times of stress, the best thing we can do for each other is to listen with our ears and our hearts and to be assured that our questions are just as important as our answers. Thank you for joining us on Health Currents Radio, and have a good home.